This week on Ultra 64, we are playing Body Harvest, the sexiest, steamiest thriller of the 1980s. Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog and we are commandeering it and we're popping out of the top of the cartridge like we're one of those little McDonald's toys and it's adorable. And my name is Steve Guntley. Oh, it was a fine harvest of bodies this year. I just came back from tilling the bodies. Uh, Woody Siskowski. Oh, man. And we are uh, very excited to have a special guest with us here today from the Video Game Apocalypse podcast. It's Michael Raparez. Hey, Michael. Yes, hi. Thanks for inviting me. I'm ready to fight some giant mantises. Oh, my this God. Is gonna be I great. hope so. <laughs> this week, we are talking about Body Harvest. Likely, if you have heard the name Body Harvest in the past, it is in conjunction with Grand Theft Auto because this was, for all intents and purposes, the first, like, prototype Grand Theft Auto game. It is like the, one of the first open world sandbox 3D games yeah. uh, that lets you did steal you guys vehicles. And, yeah. take it, did it take a long... I'm sorry, I interrupted a relevant conversation to already talk about pointless garbage. No, but that's great. Like, I just recently learned that the phrase is intense and purposes. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was intensive purposes. Mm, that's a common oh. common error. But yeah, okay. intense so I, and purposes. I'm not alone in that. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Yeah. No. So, yeah. This. This is a. Sorry. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I've always been an intense and purposes guy, but mm-hmm. I also am a foliage guy. So mm. uh, I think that it balances out a little bit. Um, and are you a are you a body harvest or a Grand Theft Auto guy? You, you, that would be like the real. Uh, the real obstinate person, right? Who's like, Rockstar hit its peak during Body Harvest. <laughs> all, all the follow-ups, they just like aped it and well, didn't do anything as well. I was going to say, technically, if I want to be that guy for a second, this would be Rockstar's second uh, GTA-like, because I think Space Station Silicon Valley came out before this. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and that's this kind of... That game we covered on the show, and that one does kind of have similar mechanics you're not like stealing yeah. cars but you're stealing other robot yeah. bodies so like some <laughs> of the mechanics are in place um but yes yeah, so michael uh what's your history with this game like this is my first time playing it i think this is woody's first time playing it what's uh what's your experience with body harvest well i i remember following it quite a bit when it uh was in development and you know being reported in the games press of the late 90s and if i remember right it took quite a while to come out it was like one of the first games mm-hmm. revealed for n64 and it came out like yeah it got revealed before launch yeah yeah. yeah, it came out several years into the, the console's life cycle, and I remember getting it and thinking it was a very clunky game, and but it did a lot of interesting things, and uh, I... I remember like having really positive feelings about it, but uh, I went back to my my save today to to start playing again, <laughs> and well, first off, realized like okay, I have no idea what I'm doing. I need to start over. But, <laughs> but then uh, after a couple of hours, I died and realized like oh, there was no save point, and now I'm back at the beginning. I might as well see what uh, I was doing in my my save, and my save was only like a little bit further than I had actually gotten. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but 
But then, like, yeah, again, same thing, like, playing that for a couple of hours, dying, like, oh, well, I guess all my progress is undone. Well, to hell with that. <laughs> but, like, to in in the game's defense, it's 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 very stingy. This is not the defense part. It's very stingy <laughs> with its save points. In the game's defense, yeah. it's a stack of crap. <laughs> so it, now for something you, positive. You only get save points after you beat many bosses. So if you die before then, there's no continue. You just have to start over. Uh, but in, in its defense, this is the defense part. It is mm. an open world game. So once you unlock one save point, you can technically go back to it now whether or not you want to backtrack all that distance is another argument but uh but the option is there and you do get to warp between save points but you need to be there Mm -hmm. already so it's kind of defeating the purpose you know but it can help you fast travel around fast travel yeah it's a pioneer I, i agree there's there's something like this game is incredibly clunky i think that's the exact right word for it 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 looks unfinished in mm-hmm. a lot of ways it looks awful quite frankly yeah yeah it, it it does look awful there's really no way around it but there is something very sticky about this game and not just the controls i'm talking about like i don't know there you can see what they're going for and you can really really appreciate how hard they swung on this mm-hmm. game like they were they were going to try and make the most powerful, impressive experience humanly possible on a system that was in no way capable of supporting it. Yeah. Uh, but they were going to try anyway. And you know what? They made a – I think it's very – I mean, play, uh, playable seems kind of like a baseline compliment for it. Like, Because this is a game I th- I, I think I'm going to be wrestling with this one a little bit too. Because I, because I, th- I think this is a game I really like, but I'm having mm. trouble pointing out exactly why. Hmm. I think that this game resolves uh, or resides in the realm of the mind. Like a lot of things that this game does from like an academic standpoint, you're like, oh, that's really neat. That's mm-hmm. that's really cool. Like if so, if you were to describe all the aspects of this game, it, it, it sounds like one of the most ambitious games for the Nintendo 64 because it is. Oh, absolutely. And then if you sit down and play it, you're like, uh, I don't really want to play this anymore. Yeah, well, it's it's really strange, it's, and I would I would love to see a game like just sort of remaster this concept or remake it or, or something, but it's it tries to, it's basically like four different games shoved all together like it yeah. is a driving game it is with the touch of a button an over the shoulder shooter uh with sort of awkward aiming controls it's a dungeon crawler it's mm. <laughs> like it's it's weird and, yeah, and, and it's, it's really it's strange a, it's a defender knockoff yeah Kinda, this game very yeah. weirdly has like waves of enemies like they're like harvester wave coming to town and then you have to like kill all these bugs and get points mm-hmm. yeah and if you it's crazy that this game has points in it. I know. I was thinking that. Like, it, it feels like one foot in the past. Like, they're trying to do all this really groundbreaking stuff. But, yeah, then we have waves of enemies. And we have score tallies that don't actually mean anything or, or and contribute anything. And then at the end, it shows you the high score. It's weird to think of, like, someone down at the pizza arcade. And mm-hmm. they're, like, playing Body Harvest. <laughs> you're like, hey, you've been at that machine for two hours. And you're like, yeah, I have to get the dynamite and blow up this rock. And then get the shield yep. and reflect sunlight and you're like this is why is this right next to the you know time crisis machine (laughs) seems very out of place i think that that finding that shield the sun shield was a a real game changer for me because like early on it's the best weapon in the game and like it can just 
uh, you're basically just reflecting sunlight into enemies, but it burns everything really fast. Yeah, and I, it's I think, really satisfying. Yeah, and I think that was the same point for me, where I'm just like, all right, this game's got like some weird shit up its sleeve, mm-hmm. and that kind of makes the clunkiness feel a little worth it. Like, yeah, it makes it feel like I do want to power through to see what weird, crazy thing they're going to come up with next. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that the gunplay here. I mean, we we really jumped ahead here. We'll back up in a second, yeah, yeah. but I think that the gunplay here is one of the strongest parts of the game. Yeah. Like, it's just, it works pretty well. Like, the audio aim is really generous. And those bugs, they blow up real oh, yeah. good. They do. Just, um, the, the same way as, like, that was one of the stronger points of Jet Force Gemini, was everything was sort of real goopy, and the explosions were real big. And this game just, I really like games, I really like gratuitous explosions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When something like blows up and then that sends another piece that creates little mini explosions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like nothing nothing explodes this way. Have you have you ever played the game uh, Smash TV? Yes. Oh yeah, many um, times. Yeah, the first yeah, the first boss of I love the bosses in that game because they'll explode like 10 heads yeah. <laughs> when they're blowing up at the end and you're just like there was more explosion there than there was actual physical parts of that mm-hmm. guy but it's very satisfying <laughs> he's made you know all most of us are made of stardust he's made of explosions yeah. so you know it's, yeah, it's exactly. uh, yeah. just like everyone in uh, mortal Kombat is made of femurs. yeah they do. It's like, <laughs> there's like 30 femurs and like five rib cages that came out of that guy <laughs> yeah Three how many spines can kano produce mm. come on <laughs> well let me back up real quick and talk a little bit about the history of this game so body harvest was released october 20th 1998 it was developed by dma design and published by Midway, and this is exclusive. This is an N64 exclusive. <laughs> uh, so DMA Designs uh, was founded in Dundee, Scotland in 1987. Uh, I looked it up because I was curious. The name DMA doesn't technically mean anything. Uh, the company took the name from a development manual for the Amiga, where it stands for Direct Memory Access, but it literally could have been any three letters. They just kind of picked something and moved on <laughs> with their day. Uh, This is our second time talking about them on the show. Uh, They previously developed Space Station Silicon Valley, which is uh, similar to Body Harvest in a lot of ways, mostly in the way that, like, it's it's so close to, like, being wonderful. Uh, It's such a weird, interesting, cool game, but it's just a little flawed. I don't know. Um, But DMA first made their bones with Lemmings, uh, the massively popular puzzle game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they really cemented their fortunes in 1995 when they started a development on a little franchise we all know and love. That's right, Race and Chase. Yes. Everyone's favorite game, (laughs) the old Race and Chase. Uh, The game was being developed for multiple platforms, including the Nintendo 64, but eventually the team paired it back to PCs and PlayStation since disc-based development was much, much easier Uh, They also renamed their game Grand Theft Auto. It debuted in 1997 to solid sales and almost immediate controversy. I think, uh, how long did it take for it to get banned in Australia? It was like pretty much immediately uh, because, I don't know, they didn't really caught into the um, crime-based gameplay, I Mm -hmm. guess we could say. Uh, And then it got banned in the UK and then it started like, I don't think people even were really playing those first ones here in the States enough for it to be super controversial but I do remember this being the game that people kind of talked about, like, uh, like, oh, my God, have you heard about this game where you can just, like, steal a cop car and just, like, murder everybody? And I thought it was fake until uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 came out. And then, yeah, no, that's the standard. Well, was that, I mean, were those games very popular, like Grand Theft Auto 1 and 2, the top-down ones? N- not to the I, extent that 3 I never was. played them. 
No, and I, right. I think I they feel both... like three was sort of the big blow up yeah. into the mainstream. And both of those, I think, got a got a posthumous boost from GTA 3's success. Everybody wanted to go back okay. and see, like, oh, what's this game about? So it just got ported to everything. Um, but yeah, either way, it was uh, it was a big enough hit that it made uh, uh, DMA design a hot property. And in 1998, uh, Take Two Interactive acquired the company, and they shifted the entire team over to their new development studio, which was called Rockstar North, in 2001. Uh, the company uh, adapted the mechanics that they learned in Body Harvest, and they put in a game called GTA 3, and the rest is history as far as Rockstar is concerned. We never heard from them again. Nope, never. They um, went away immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone involved in that franchise languished in poverty to the end of their days. Uh, sad story, sad story. What, what was this called? This was called Grand Theft Auto was the name mm-hmm. of it? Might as well call it Crime Doesn't Pay. Am I right? <laughs> High five. Right there, right there. Uh, a little bit about the development of this game. Uh, so this game was intended to be a launch title for the Nintendo 64, and at one point Nintendo was on board as a first-party publisher uh, after DMA's longtime publisher Psygnosis dropped them. So Body Harvest was one of the original 13 games announced for the system when Nintendo debuted it at the 1995 Space World show. Back then the system was just called Project Reality. Then it would get turned into... I'm blanking, and then it would be Nintendo 64. I forget what that one in the middle is. Yeah, but it's, it's, I, I think there's a podcast named after it, but I can't remember what it's called. Oh, no, they, uh, na- they, they named it yeah. after the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I got it, got it. It was called How Did This Get Made 64. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, so things development on this project started well. Uh, the DMA developers were impressed with the uh, hardware of the N64, uh, and Nintendo was enthusiastic about the project, but they were actually proving to be a little more hands-on than DMA was used to, and that started to generate some friction. So I found kind of a uh, kind of a catty tell-all article by a DMA staffer <laughs> named Steve Hammond, who wrote about his time in this game. And he said the team originally was inspired by Tremors. They wanted this to be like a tongue-in-cheek, like, B-movie kind of parody game. They wanted it to be much more silly than it wound up being. Uh, Okay. And Nintendo didn't really like that approach very much because they wanted things to be seem more cutting-edge and more grown-up and more serious because their audience was growing up a little bit. Um, it's, that seems like a very weird stance for Nintendo to take. But. It is, and it's one they went back on pretty quickly. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't want to do the 50s invasion thing, but they really liked the time travel idea, so they told them to play up the time travel, play down the 50s vibe. Uh, but there was also a language barrier as well. Some of the notes the team received from Nintendo were kind of inscrutable. Uh, there was one they got that just asked them to make the graphics more material, and no one, no <laughs> one really knew what to do with that. Um, eventually, after development started dragging on and on, uh, Nintendo got cold feet about the violent content in the game, and they withdrew as a publisher. So Body Harvest wound up missing its launch window by more than two years as DMA struggled to find a new publisher for the game. Uh, eventually, Midway stepped in and gave the game a pretty decent-sized release. Uh, it wasn't like a huge, huge hit, but uh, it sold well enough. And uh, Hammond in this um oh yeah, good. This is just a weird, like, you know, one of the themes of this game is time travel. It's weird to think of, like, time traveling back of, like, bridges that Nintendo ended up burning that, like, could have made a huge difference later mm. on. Like, because this game is rooted in so many, like, really neat ideas and has the potential to be really great, there's the sense that if they sort of had that Nintendo expertise and funding behind it, maybe it would have gotten there, and it may might have sort of built into like a real relationship between Nintendo and then these developers and maybe you know 
there would never be a Rockstar Games or like Rockstar would just all those games would come up as like Nintendo exclusives, something yeah, like maybe. that. Or maybe they, they would have yeah. hit an impasse when uh, Miyamoto suggested that, like, well, I think Adam Drake, the protagonist, should go around shaking hands with all the giant mantises in their hospital beds. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, that's such a Miyamoto thing. Oh, my God. Um, so a little bit about the story of Body Harvest. This takes place in an alternate history where humans encountered a hostile alien race back in 1916. These insectoid aliens feed on human flesh, and every 25 years or so, uh, they, they live on a comet that floats out in space, and every 25 years or so, it comes into Earth's orbit, and that's when they jump down, harvest a bunch of bodies, and jump out. They've been doing this for 100 years. We're now in the far distant future year of 2016, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Earth's population has been reduced so dramatically that the last survivors are living on a space station orbiting the Earth, and they are developing technology that will help them travel back in time to 1916 and hopefully stop the first invasion from ever happening, thereby saving humanity. But as the game opens, uh, the, sh- the space station is being attacked by aliens. Our hero, who is a uh, uh, cyborg guy, or is he human with a cyber suit? He's a, he's, he's a human. Yeah, he's half half human, half machine. Yeah. He's, ro- he's a he's a robocop. He's, he, he's, a- he's rocking Broncos colors, uh, and he he barely makes it off the ship. They wound him before they leave. The aliens take some of his blood, make a clone out of him to hunt him down, and you teleport back to twenty or nineteen sixteen, where our adventure begins. He kind of looks like a rock'em sock'em kinda, robot. Yeah. He does a well, little bit. Well, like it's it's weird how uh, just big and boxy that character model looks. But like watching that opening, like the intro video, where mm. it's like your your character is like huge on screen and he's suiting up, and it reminded me of like coming from the the Super Nintendo onto the N sixty four, like how special moments like that seemed at the time. Like, yeah, you're we're used to seeing like small sprites. And here is like your character big filling up the screen. He's doing things. This isn't pre-rendered. This is all in-game engine like that. That was kind of cool. Yeah. And I don't think there was ever a point where like in 1998, I don't think any of us would have looked at this and thought, whoa, this is hyper realistic. No. This is the, the cutting end. <laughs> like even even then, this looked a little rudimentary, but it is still cool compared to what we know of as video games at the time, which mm-hmm. is mostly being 2D, like very kind of low-res affairs. Um, yeah, I think we I think we do need to just address the elephant in the room right away. This game is ugly as hell. Oh, it, yeah. It, 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 this looks like if someone was watching a Dire Straits video through cataracts, like that's the closest <laughs> thing I can think of. All the figures look ridiculous. They look like little Minecraft guys. Uh, you have this terrible distance fog that that makes it so hard to like see your way around, mm-hmm. uh, right. and that's that's one of the real pains of this game. Is you know different kind almost almost every N sixty four game suffers from some kind of distance fog, yeah. mm-hmm. but in a lot of games it doesn't quite matter as much because the environments are small or they're not asking you to sort of navigate around precise roads over mountains and things like that, which Body Harvest is. And so the end result is you end up having to look at the map a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is not fun because every time you press the map button, it has to like load. It has you have to get a little graphic screen, and then you see a zoomed up version of where you are, and then it zooms out, and then it tells you your mission objective again, and then you can look at the map. It's it's a chore every time, mm. and you need to open that map a lot. But it is kind of a neat transition the way the the screen sort of shrinks and and disappears, and yeah. Oh yeah, it's no, a neat definitely. effect. Yeah, but there's like. 
there's an additional screen there. You have to press start and then either go to your inventory or go to the map mm-hmm. screen. That's true. And so the whole thing takes like, you know, 10 seconds. And it's just for how often you have to go there, it's it's really a bummer. This, I feel like this whole game would go up about 50%, in my opinion, if it had a little mini-map in the upper right-hand corner mm-hmm. that just sort of pointed you where you need yeah. to go. Yeah. Well, sometimes we, it has we, that yeah. arrow that points you where it needs to go, but it seems to only come out like when the game feels sorry for you. It's like, okay, you're clearly just sort of striking out in random directions. Here's where <laughs> you should be going. And I'm not actually sure that that's what the arrow is telling you. I think it might be telling you, hey, there's a town over here that's under attack. Mm. Oh, is that that? Okay. Because this game has a weird, yeah, this game has a weird mechanic of it's like both an open world exploration game, but there's also sort of a, you know, defender missile command aesthetic too of like bugs are teleporting into these towns and you need to save humanity. And like if a certain amount of civilians get eaten by bugs they send out this giant mutant bug to kill you mm-hmm. this is the only game i can think of that has a body count meter on yep. the bottom like yeah this <laughs> is like it, there's a little meter that gradually fills up as uh, aliens take more and more people and if that fills up then you lose the game yeah. the, the only uh, other thing i can think of off the top of my head is i think superman returns had something similar like metropolis oh, had did a health really? meter yeah Oh, right. Yeah, it did. That's right. Because you were, always, yeah, okay. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you were fighting the city most of the time. Hmm. Uh, I, I found uh, Adam Drake's movements were very weird, especially when he's inside. Like, he's he's very stop and start. It kind of reminded me, we recently played Flashback for, uh, for a Patreon mm-hmm. episode. And it, it kind of reminded me of, like, 3D flashback movement. Like, it's very stop and start. Uh, I just thought it felt like running through water. Like he, he's he's like very slowly running, and it's just like this is like one of those horrible dreams where you're very slow. <laughs> yeah, There's just giant just, bugs chasing uh-huh. you, and you're slowly running exactly. away. It's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think we're supposed to feel like his suit is heavy, you know, like it's supposed to be futuristic, mm-hmm. but it, it just it feels clumsy. Luckily, you're never too far from a vehicle, and I think this is where the game kind of shines, and that's uh, it has Grand Theft Auto's car-stealing mechanic, where you can just walk up to car, any car. Car borrowing. Car borrowing. Like, you're commandeering them to save humanity, Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, you're not yeah. commandeering them to go shoot down rival gangs. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, maybe you're not. I don't know mm. how you're playing it. But, okay. but yeah, it's true. It is more commandeering. There are some uh, vehicles that you can't use unless you get permission from people, which is, you know, I think the big difference. But mm. but either way, you can, you can yeah. walk up to any vehicle. You press down C, and then you do a cool little flip, and you land inside the car. And that's where the game kind of takes off for me because the vehicle controls feel just like Grand Theft Auto to me, uh, or at least Grand Theft Auto 3. It feels instantly intuitive. Every vehicle handles differently. They all have different, like, armor ratings and different weapon ratings. Like, it, it's, a, it's really cool. And it's really cool to see these in place this early. And I think it makes a huge difference in the game. And I'm so, so glad the developers decided to give you a little targeting reticle mm-hmm. and let you shoot while you drive. Yes. Because that takes so much of the pain out of the gunplay. Like, you can just drive around and uh, you don't need to worry about m- maneuvering your clunky-ass robo-man around. Uh, and it, it makes a big difference. And I think commandeering my first car was the moment where I'm like, okay, I'm going to stick through this game a little bit. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try it out because mm-hmm. it's clearly got something going on here. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's funny that these alien race of humanity has kind of taken over 
um, taken over for so long because you just mow these guys down. Yeah. Like, yeah. They don't seem to put up all that much of a threat. Like, granted, I was playing this game on easy because I didn't want to have to deal with, you know, having to replay sections. Yeah. But, like, the cards really can take a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. And they, they have health bars mm-hmm. that are separate than your own. So if the car takes too much, you just go find a different one. Um, and yeah, like you just kind of are driving through and about three or four shots will take out even a pretty big bug. I do think that the bugs look okay. I mean, we were ragging on the graphics, um, but I think that the bug designs are pretty decent. Yeah, there's a good variety, I think. And like you, you kind of know what to expect every time. Every once in a while, I would get a message that said, a mutant is approaching. I'm like, oh, what the hell is that? And then all the other aliens disappear and this big, like, robot mech jumping grasshopper thing mm. comes out and starts stomping on a building right in front of me. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So, yeah, there's a good amount of variety with the enemies. And they all have their own patterns and they all have their own kind of goals. Uh, and I think that's that's pretty cool. That's definitely yeah. uh, a standout part. Hmm. I, I will say one more one more piece to rag on the sure. graphics. Yeah. Um, is it is really I really like this sort of time travel mechanic of basically you're going to both different times and places so like you start out in Greece sort of right around World War I guess World War mm-hmm. one maybe wouldn't have happened in this alternative timeline yeah. um, but it just it's so non Greece looking <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just brown like you just look like you're in sort of the middle of some desert and I guess maybe the architecture kind of. Looks like it's, that, but it's a big hilly really... desert, and every once in a while you see like a Greek column sticking out of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you could easily um, just I, be I just at like the site of a Greek restaurant fire in Nebraska. Like hmm. it, it could, yeah, it doesn't really translate. Yeah. Um, what the sound here? It's not, I mean, I don't remember to the, there is music in this game, which is something that I always is weird to always have to like think about. Uh, that, that's something that we've realized, Michael, is at once you play through, like, all the N64 mm-hmm. games, a surprisingly high amount of them don't have any music. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. They, especially in multiplayer, because they just couldn't fit it onto the well, cartridge. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a weird thing to think about. But I thought the music here was kind of cool. It's very sparse, but it's moody. Like, I think it captures, like, a good sense of foreboding all the time. I don't know. It's, it's like a sub-Philip Glass kind of minimalist composure thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, the explosion sounds are also real oh, satisfying. Yeah. Oh, God. Speaking um, of the sound effects, like, uh, to test it out and make sure I could do it, because, of course, I had to, I ran over a couple of civilians, as you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And uh, I think their screams will haunt me for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> they screams. They're really blood-curdling screams, and they explode in a little puddle of gore, and I had to check my cartridge that this is a, still a T-rated game. And apparently in later stages, from what I've read, you can actually kill children in this game, too, oh which is something that GTA uh, wisely sidestepped from the beginning. You just literally just don't put children in their game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here there's a level where you are driving a uh, uh, ice cream truck and you're trying to protect a village, but the children start chasing you and you can run them over, nice. uh, which is pretty extreme for a Nintendo 64 yeah. game. Especially a T-rated um, one. Yeah. But I think the fact that you're not doing crimes here, I think it, it hits a little mm. differently. Um, Gameplay-wise, yeah, I think you're you're going to start just being beamed down. Uh, you Your mission objectives are being given to you by a woman with purple hair, and I never caught her name. I don't know if they said it in the manual either. Yeah, I was looking I, for I'm it, also, and I, I didn't I catch it. I was also like, wait, where is she broadcasting from? Because the space station was destroyed. That's what you escaped. So who's your oh, handler? Yeah. yeah, but it was just... 
Oh yeah, it was destroyed in the future though, yeah, right? Yeah. Is it is it still maybe they built it back in 1916? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> they had like a space station built out of pipe cleaners and steam. Yeah, that could make like, sense. I was reading it as like she was some kind of uh, operator or guy, but maybe she is just like a Cortana or something. She's mm. just like an AI program in your head telling you what to do. That I don't know. Be. But it doesn't make it very clear. They don't really give her a name. And really, for the most part, your name isn't that important either. You're just Mm-mm. a guy no, walking around. I only know... You, you're a very impersonal character. Yeah, I only know his name is Adam Drake because I was looking at the wiki, the Wikipedia page. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're never going to like get that from the no, game. No, no. Uh, but you drop in, and this woman uh, tells you what you need to do, and that's you need to go to the nearest town. Uh, every once in a while, these harvester waves will appear, just flashes of green light, and these bugs will come down, and you need to shoot them. Gunplay, like what he said, is uh, pretty satisfying because I, I like I like it when developers understand the platform that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Like, Winback did a similar thing, which we played a couple of weeks ago. It's like, we're going to make this auto-aim crazy generous because we know that aiming with this controller, if these graphics, is a pain in the ass. We're doing our best, but there's only so much you can do. So we want to take the, the busy work out of this and just kind of make it a fast-paced arcade kind of shooter. So you lock on your targets pretty easily. You can take them down with a bullet or two, and uh, so you can kind of cruise through these little uh, harvester waves pretty easily. Yeah. Did you guys play around with like the the optional first person controls? Like if you hold down the right bumper, then it like shifts into this over the shoulder thing, and you can strafe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it wasn't bad. Yeah, it, I've I've played. Worse. No, it feels very similar to Jet Force Gemini. Um, yeah, and where like. Yeah, it become you get a zoomed in crosshair, and then you can use the C buttons to sort of roll in different directions. Yep. But for the majority of this game, I think you're gonna be in vehicles because you just have way more health and they're way more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can still take that mode in a vehicle, but you can't strafe mm-hmm. or anything. Right? Yeah, that would be yeah. that would be very awkward. Like the wheels just turn <laughs> sideways, and your car yeah goes <laughs> yeah. back and forth. Herbie, very um, Herbie so, the Love Bug kind of moment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let me give you just some idea of like. How much stuff is going on in this game so you're like this is just the first level of this game is you're teleported into this world you have to go talk to the guy you have to go into this guy's house to talk to him to lower the bridge and then you mm-hmm. drive over you have to walk around this town until you find dynamite just sort of is it like in a in a wood cave or an armory or something like that yeah, I think yeah, it's like in a ruin that you have to go into <laughs> Yeah, it's like hidden. And then you, you pull a sconce and it'll open up a wall, and then there's dynamite behind that. Yeah, right. Right, and that's another weird thing is when you actually go into a house, sort of the tone and feeling of the game changes again. It comes to yeah. sort of yeah. this very zoomed in, top down thing, and your guy walks very slowly, and you can interact with almost everything in the house. Mm-hmm. Like you can go into the church and just light candles. You can go. I found you, myself like a lighting monastery with candles. a book to read. Yeah, yeah. I was well, just obsessively makes lighting a all of them. Significant difference mm-hmm. on the lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're very dark when you so, go in. For some reason, those anyway. sequences reminded me a lot of like Tobol Number One, like just that weird top-down enclosed space feeling. That yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, and it's very stiff movement, but you can like press the C buttons to like sidestep. You do this little like mm-hmm. shuffle to the left and right, but it doesn't super make a difference. Yeah. You're not going to be facing any enemies in these yeah, sections. Yeah, there's no there's no combat. It's just puzzle solving. And bas- when I say puzzle solving, I actually mean like <laughs> going up to everything and hitting A to see what it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just bizarre too that it has sort of a whole different feel to it. 
Yeah, so anyway, you find this dynamite, and then you have to go to this mountain pass, use the dynamite to blow up a rock in the way, talk to this old guy who's talking about the war and the tools they used in the war. Oh, there was one part I thought was really funny, is you find this book of Greek history, yeah, and they talk about the Greek hero, and he just has some, like, very modern name, and they talk about he, how he was the first one to use tanks, and that oh. that made me laugh. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so you go mm. find him. He gives you this permission to go into the hangar. Oh, is that you McKenzie? You find this hangar. Yeah, yeah. A- yeah. Um, you, you go into this hangar, get this tank, and then it's like, okay, now you go fight this mini boss, which is on the other side of the level. You drive all the way over there, fight this big bug. So you've done all this, and then you get a save point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this is probably a good 25, 30 minutes into the game before you get your first save point. Uh which is a problem, which is a lot. Like, you need to be yeah. kind of prepared to just leave the game on, I guess, if you want to walk away from it. Uh, because, yeah, the save points are so few and far between. Though, I mean, the environments are pretty small. Like, it does, it is hard to figure out where to go. But I imagine if you knew right where things were and where to go, you could do it in five minutes. Like, yeah. so if you yeah. died, then just the replay would be a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that that was definitely the case with me when I uh, uh, stopped my game and then had to start it over from the beginning again. Uh, I also died by, uh, there was a section later on, like, you, the, the thing that I think uh, bothers me is that there's a mission structure to this game, and you do have to do things in a very particular order, but that's not always going to be very clear. Like, at one point, you need to access the old mill, uh, in order to get a cog to open the water gate. <laughs> you have to find old man Rogers who's been uh, scaring kids at the old mill. But in order, to, in order to open up the area with the mill, you need to blast it open with a howitzer. There's only one howitzer. It's all the way on the other side of the island. And the game doesn't tell you that's what you need to do. You just kind of need to wander around until you find it. And then the guy will tell you, oh, yeah, you can open up this well with that howitzer. And then I brought it to the area where I was supposed to shoot it. I went down a little path. It looked like it was shallow enough water for me to get across. It was not. Uh, mm. My howitzer went into the water, <laughs> did not come out, and I couldn't retrieve it again. Oh, no. And it's the only way you can progress is with that howitzer. I tried using TNT. I tried using other things. I looked online. Uh, it is the only thing you can do. So you just kind of have to know that. Uh, and uh, so now if I go back, I need to start it up again, do that same process again, and this time hold on to the howitzer. But there is a bit of trial and error going on with all of these missions, mm. and it can get a little dense. Yeah, some of them are like I, I, it feels like you just made me go out of my way for no reason. Like mm. there's one where you have to solve this puzzle with these three pointing statues uh, to raise the the lost temple of Atlantis, which is spelled uh, Atlant O U S. So it's like oh. Atlantus. And uh, then you raise this temple and like, okay, there's this little walkway down to the water. It's like 12 feet away. I can probably swim. The second you get in the water, like your handler pops up like, no, your bio armor is too heavy. You'll sink. And <laughs> yeah. so you, you can't <laughs> swim this short distance. You have to go uh, like to the to the southern end of the uh, landmass you're on. And there's like a boathouse there. And you talk to the sea captain and he gives you a boat. And then you can go around and fight a bunch of water enemies before you get to this thing. So, 
it's just very circuitous. And yeah. sometimes, like, even when you kind of intuit what you're supposed to do, the mechanics don't really agree. Like, for instance, there's a part where you need to raise, uh, you need to unlock this building by getting the sun shield, mm. aiming it at the torch part of the statue and lighting it, and then it'll unlock it for you. So... I kind of figured out that's what I was supposed to be doing. And I was sitting here shining the light all over the statue, all over the statue. It wasn't going anywhere. There's just one very particular spot you need to hit. And uh, I, I was about to walk away because I wasn't sure I was doing it right. Then I looked it up and it's just like, oh, yeah, no, you have to wait for it to lock on to one spot on the right. torch. And then you fire. So, like, the mechanics sometimes aren't really agreeing with you. Mm-hmm. But, like, the fact, like, all those mechanics that you guys just named, like... You know, lighting some. What other games have like a lighting something with the sun shield and going to find like a boatman and then you're driving and fighting bugs on the lake? I know later in this game you you're piloting a submarine and there's like a whole underwater nice. section. Later you get you get planes. Like because you're driving, you're mm. going through time. Like your weapon tree gets more advanced in later levels, which yep. is just really cool. And it's. Again, it, it sort of exists in, like, this realm of, like, man, this game is doing so much awesome, creative, ambitious stuff that I wish that it was easier to play. And I think, to me, I just keep coming back to that map screen as mm. just so much of the difference. of Because if it was just clear and obvious, if it had just a big arrow, crazy taxi style, pointing to where your next objective was that you could, like, mm-hmm. turn on or off... Um, yeah. It would just go down so much smoother. Yeah. But as it is, it just kind of feels like a chore to play. It's, I mean, it's a game that really is hampered by the technology, and or and you know probably just a sense of we need to get this game out there because we've been working yeah. on it for three years. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's like I'm playing it. Just think, keep thinking like this is so far ahead of its time. And yet none of these really ambitious things that it tries to do are particularly well implemented. So it's like, no, this is a game that like you really want to play and discover more. But the experience of playing it is very frustrating. So, yeah, yeah, it's much easier to just give up on it, which I guess I did uh, 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I will say my, my mildly hot take here is that. I prefer the gunplay in this than in any of the GTA games, Mm. except maybe five. Uh, I think it took them a really, really long time to figure out that mechanic. Uh, And here it's just kind of effortless, which is not the case in GTA 3. I remember dying quite a bit because my reticle wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. Uh, So, yeah, I'll, I'll give it credit for that. I think they got that right right off the bat. I think they got the vehicles right right off the bat. Uh, I, I, you do really get the sense that this was uh, a troubled production because there are just tons of different ideas here. It never fully congeals into one cohesive idea, but like all the little bits and pieces are really fun to play with. Like mm-hmm. if you if you look past the frustrations of it, there's something weird and special here. Uh, there's just you you need to. Maybe just look at it as like an art project or something if you want to really <laughs> dig into it, just or, or an endurance test or something like that. But uh, yeah, this is a really cool game to go back and be like, what was the N sixty four capable of? What were some of the weirder games on the system? I just kind of want to watch a video about them or play them for mm, ten minutes. Yeah, but I'm not sure that this is like a game you're really gonna go back and get super invested in. If 
I think that both games by uh, DMA really have a feeling of if they had sort of a little more money in the you know in the coffers, they could have really yeah, yeah. knocked it out of the park. They just don't quite get there. There's also a sense of I I would love a I think this game would be ripe for a remaster. I don't even think this game needs a remake. I think if you did like a remaster and added a couple more features of like a you know you smooth out the graphics some you give yourself more of a draw distance so it's not just this gray haze mm-hmm. through, yeah. the, through yeah. all of the scenes and then you fix the mi- add a mini map. I think this game becomes a very good. Twenty dollars, and game. also make yeah. the controls good. Like that—that's the specific mandate the development team has handed. Like, make the controls good. <laughs> yeah, we have we have a whole other uh, analog stick to work with here yeah, now. Yeah. We can we can free up some buttons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as far as I know, there's no uh, attempt to remake this. I mean, Midway owns the game now, and Midway doesn't exist anymore. So, like, I kind of I kind of doubt Rockstar is really going to go out of their way to revive yeah. this, but. We also kind what, of got you, you the same... You think they're, they're going to give up on their multi-billion dollar, <laughs> like the highest grossing franchise ever to remaster Body yeah, Harvest? The, the, the thing I, is, like, I, they could add, a, like, a Body Harvest mode onto GTA. Like, just make it, like, a DLC or there, something. yes. That could be a lot of fun. I think... There you go. Yeah, you just remake Body Harvest within mm-hmm. GTA. Oh, my God. It would be pretty yeah. easy, I bet. <laughs> I think my dream project here would be for them to, kind of similar to what they did with, like, the jump from Red Dead Revolver to Red Dead Redemption, mm. take this kind of crappy, outdated series that no one really cares about and then just, like, dump money into it until it's, like, the best thing possible, you know? Yeah. I, I think getting a big time travel sci-fi Grand Theft Auto in 2020 would be amazing. I think that would, that's something that hasn't really been done very well. Uh, I'm looking at you destroy all humans. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's something that could be really super fun. And I, I like the premise here, actually. I mean, I think that's pretty classic sci-fi of like aliens coming down to harvest us. And uh, Yeah, it's totally like 50s B-movie stuff. Yeah, it's great. I mean, they look like the ants from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Um, I don't know. I think there's just so many fun ideas here and it it, it, it I don't know. I, I feel so conflicted about it because I I love so much of what's here, but it's also needlessly frustrating and so hard on the eyes that I, I'm, I'm mm. still... I'm, I think I'm just going to be equivocating on this until the very end, until I, I decide I have to decide where to rank this. But uh, Well, speaking of which... I think we're at that point. Um, I, yeah, I feel like we've been repeating ourselves here. So, uh, <laughs> here, well, I'll go first, Steve. I'll, let, I'll give you some time on this okay, one. Okay, yeah, please. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna put this game at number 83 on my list, which is right below Army Men Air Combat. Um, okay. And right above the Donald Duck game, um, we've played. This game isn't hugely fun, but it is really neat and it's fun to play around with for a little bit. Um, I think that its main thing that it's comparable is something like Space Station Silicon Valley or maybe like Hybrid Heaven something that's just kind of weird and inscrutable and Mm -hmm. you just kind of like it for that i don't think it's quite as fun as space station silicon valley because that game was a lot more charming yeah Mm. um but i still think it's a pretty neat game on the system and one definitely worth checking out especially if you're if you're a big fan of open world games like i generally don't like open world games even when they're done well um but this is a really cool sort of little taste of history there. Yeah. 
I, I th- well, yeah, well, I'll go ahead, Michael. Should we ask? Uh, should we check on Michael? Like, yeah. where where do you think this game fits well, on the N sixty four in the N sixty four? I do love open world games, and uh, I think this this game is a very important step in the development of of the open world genre. Um, I don't. I, I think for me, this has always kind of been in my top twenty N sixty four games. I don't have the same breadth of experience with the N sixty four library that you guys do. Obviously, <laughs> well, uh. you should consider yourself lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. This this has always been a, an old favorite, and I was I was kind of thrilled when Steve asked me to be on this show because, uh, yeah, like oh yeah, Buddy Harvest. I'd love a chance to talk about that, and and it was kind of fun to revisit it, even though I'm I'm just discovering all these, fl- or rediscovering all these flaws that kind of make it difficult to enjoy. But mm. uh, yeah, I I think there's a lot of potential there. I would love to see a more modern, playable version of this of this experience. Absolutely. Um, I I think I'm finally gonna come down. On, uh, I'm putting this at number 90 on my list. That's just below International Track and Field 2000, just above Chameleon Twist 2. Oh, my. Uh, you know, I because I am kind of torn because this is an important game, and there's a lot to like about it, and there's a lot of really, really cool ideas here, but it can also be unbelievably frustrating, and sometimes it feels like it's not even fully finished, and... Uh, uh, the the graphics, like we said, are some of the ugliest we've encountered on the <laughs> entire really system. <laughs> They're really, really it's, bad. It's I think it's the biggest dichotomy we've seen because usually when we have shit looking games, it's usually in a shit game as well, like Virtua Chess. Yeah, and this is not that. Um, no, no, <laughs> no. And this game is definitely like, oh, they this was clearly made by talented people. Yeah, they just didn't put their effort into the graphics. And it's it's one of those things that's hard to recommend unless you're like really interested in the history of video games like you know if you want to play a grand theft auto game grand theft auto 5 is free right now for anyone who wants it like it's true it's not hard to get uh so like it's pretty easy to access and and scratch that itch but if you want to see the origins of it with all warts and all it's pretty worth checking out body harvest um whether or not it's worth playing through the entire game that's yet to be determined i might dig hmm. back into it but i'm also still playing goemon so it's kind of hard to not, if hard you to play time. through the entire game of body harvest steve i will give you 20 dollars. <laughs> okay okay yeah, I, will take I, you I might that. do it uh <laughs> if i have like if i'm playing it on an emulator that has like an auto save feature yes hmm. yeah that that would be a big difference yeah. maker there yeah, yeah. yeah definitely um, I have a couple of letters here real quick. I'm just going to go through a few of those. We got a lot of letters this week, and I spread them out between this week and next week. So if you don't hear your letter Ooh, this time, exciting. Uh, you will get it next time. But this first letter has very uh, high-minded uh, uh, language here, and I don't get the reference, and hopefully <laughs> you guys do. Like a great tapestry, horizontal scan lines and vertical phosphors have intertwined, creating a radiant image. You have scaled great mounds of mediocrity, scrambling from cart to cart to reach this rarefied place. Throughout all these trials, you have grown stronger. Have you ever stopped to consider how much trivia about 64-bit video games and 90s pop culture you have accrued? It goes without (laughs) saying that you cannot turn back now. From here, you will experience polygonal murkiness beyond anything you could have imagined. Yet you are drawing ever closer to the end of your adventure. Your destiny is calling. Believe in yourself and press on. Steve, Woody, guest, I wish you luck. <laughs> P.S. It says P.S. I wonder if you caught the reference. Props if you did. I did not, so I don't know if you guys caught I didn't that. either. 
Um, it seems like this person has either a history or a future in writing text-based adventure yeah. games. Because that seems hmm. like a very Zork-style reference. Though I don't think it's yeah, specifically I, Zork. I had to look up the Blade Runner speech for a second, because I just, I just thought it was the Roy Batty speech in my mind for a second. Um, anyways, I am grateful that I managed to find this podcast last fall by searching for Bomberman Hero Music on Spotify. I had no idea. Oh, wow. I had no idea that it would lead me to actually completing Infinite Jest, a personal albatross of mine for the past couple of years. <laughs> Keep up the creative podcasting. I hope you all are staying well. And that's from Tom in New Jersey. So thank you very oh, much, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Tom that, I do not get the yeah, reference, that's, that's, but I love that. That's quite the line from uh, Bomberman Hero to uh, Infinite Jest. I, I wouldn't have expected yes. that either. <laughs> Tom, Tom, write back in yeah. and tell us what you're referencing because that that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Whatever yeah, it is. sounds awesome. All right, we have another one here. Uh, hello to the Ultraist podcast hosts and guests. See, they, they got you, Michael. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to feel upcoming... included. <laughs> <laughs> your upcoming stream of Mortal Kombat, which uh, if you're hearing this, happened yesterday, so sorry, everybody, uh, made me remember an experience from college. I went to a party where one of the hosts had busted out a copy of Mortal Kombat 2 for people to play while we drank and hung out. However, it derailed the party when he and the other gamers there couldn't beat me. I'm not particularly good at the game. I just remembered all of Sub-Zero's <laughs> moves. And he refused to move on to us watching our movie till someone beat me. It sidelined the party and he got incredulous when I tried to give it up. Has there ever been a time where a typical fun party game becomes a whole thing with you guys? Love the podcast <laughs> and I'm excited to see what you guys do next, be it Wii U or Virtual Boy. And that's from Benjamin Curley. Ooh. Uh, it won't be Virtual Boy, but we'll see. <laughs> um, anytime a game turned into a whole thing, um, I don't know if this really qualifies. I do remember in college, um, me and my friend Molly were hanging out. We drank an entire bottle of vodka between the two of us and started playing Mario Party 4 on the GameCube. And uh, someone somewhere dared the other person to butt stomp in real life, and that's how I broke my futon. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> what did you? What did you break? We broke my futon. Yeah, by butts. Oh, your futon. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought you were gonna say part of your bones. Oh, your no. or something. The I futon bone. It's your connected tail bone to or something. Because I just imagine you just butt stomping like on the on the floor of your apartment. No, no, no. no. But oh, that my. that wouldn't have been far off. We were uh, pretty turned up. I don't know about you guys. Has there ever been a video game-based dispute? Um, I remember at a game night in college, I think, I brought, like, Killer Instinct Gold. And, oh. like, I had been playing it obsessively by myself and had, like, memorized all the dial combos that you can do. And uh, so I was just, like, wiping the floor with this guy who I, I mainly remember him as, like, we were playing, like, Soul Edge or Soul Blade. And he kept, like, killing me over and over again with the same throw. Uh, mm. as Lee Long and so like oh you get get good man get good and yes. and then I was kicking his ass and he was like he he got to the point where he was throwing a tantrum about it and <laughs> and I'm like dude winning isn't everything and he's like winning is fun like, yeah, it's like, it's, try to have fun. Like, winning is fun. Like, oh my God, you're you're having a fucking meltdown. We're all like, you know, 18, 19 years old around here. Like, what are you doing? I, that's a pretty good motto, actually. I want to get that tattoo. Yeah, just, Winning is fun. Yeah, just make it in like really big, like all caps, bold letters with like some, some uh, tearing around the edges to make it look like it's a scream. Maybe a controller flying through the yeah, air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Woody, do you have one? I, 
Oh, I just feel like in general, I I don't know. I'm generally don't play video games in a very competitive, competitive feeling. Um, but uh, every game of Mario Party eventually devolves into us being very cranky at Mario Party yes. and wondering like how this game exists and why we keep playing it. <laughs> um, and it's just like, and it's the thing, it's just inevitable because you know that some stupid bullshit is going to happen. You, every time you're like, let's play Mario Party, you're like, okay, sure. And then you're like, oh yeah, the first time someone just gets a random star in a block. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I don't know, I guess that's something that I kind of appreciate about Mario Party is it kind of deflects all your hate for each other. Towards yeah, you're you're working against a common enemy there, which is yeah. That's uh, we appreciate. Thank you, Mario Party. We appreciate it. All right, one last letter here. This one was not signed. It came from the Squarespace uh, uh, website, but uh, it was nice, so I thought I'd read it. Hey guys, uh, I heard your request for subjects to do a future podcast about when you finish the N64 library. I say make the topic something you're passionate about. That's what makes for the best listening when you share what you're interested in. That's what started Ultra 64, after all. I like listening to you and coming away with a good amount of knowledge about a topic. It's a good combination that I also love the N64 and retro gaming as a whole, but I will listen to you guys record anything. Thanks for what you're doing. That's very nice. I wish you would sign that so I could uh, shout you out personally for being so nice. So thank you. That's very kind of you to say. We have gotten quite a few letters when we put out that call of, like, letting us know. I've, I've heard quite a few people just say, like, yeah, we're, we're down with whatever. Keep talking hmm. about whatever games you want to talk about. So, uh, not helpful, guys. Uh, <laughs> but, go screw you. What is uh, something we you're passionate down. about? Like, would it be another video game? or? That's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's. Uh, I mean, the, the fact is, if it probably if it wasn't a video game thing, I think you'd need to find a new co-host. Probably, <laughs> probably. I think that's... That's uh, definitely my area of expertise. I think it's mostly our wheelhouse, but mm. uh, yeah, that or, yeah, something like that. But, well, we, again, we have like 60-something games before we even have to think about that, so we will get to it next time, but I think that closes out this particular game, and Michael, thank you so, so, so much for being here. It's always a delight to have you. Um, oh, thank you for inviting me. It's been, been a lot of fun. Where can people find you and all of your amazing stuff? Uh, they can go to vidigameapocalypse.com or lasertimepodcast.com. My podcast, Vigigame Apocalypse, comes out every Friday, usually in the very the wee hours of the morning, I think they're called. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and yeah, um, go to, go to lasertimepodcast.com, patreon.com slash lasertime, etc. Uh, we just did a Final Fantasy VII remake spoiler cast with... Uh, guest host Carolyn Pettit, formerly of oh. GameSpot and oh, yeah. uh, Feminist Frequency, so that was a lot of fun. Um, awesome. So yeah, there's there's plenty of places you can hear my voice. And you guys have, uh, you just celebrated 365 episodes I believe, so you can do yeah. you can do wow. an episode a day I think we just for re- the next year. That's true, that's true. You could, yeah, listen to us one episode a day for an entire year and uh, you would not run out because we're currently at 368, so uh, oh, it, yes, it keeps on right. climbing. <laughs> Or take my approach and listen to one episode a year for 365 <laughs> years, and then you'll live, that's live a, a very plan. long that's time. A, that's, that's a much a better, better approach. Point. That's, that's yeah. my plan. I fi- figure as long as my body has new video game apocalypse to listen to, oh. I will never die. <laughs> well, we'll keep you supplied. So don't stop making them. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you for tuning in. We are Ultra 64 Podcast on all the social media things. Uh, definitely tune in next week because we are going to be playing a couple of games I've been kind of looking forward to, kind of dreading. Uh, the Gex Games, oh starring one Tough Talking Geckos. That's Gex 64 and Gex 3. 
Uh, I'm excited to see what comes out of that crazy lizard's mouth. Uh, you never... I bet there'll be lots of dated TV references. <laughs> <laughs> One can hope. One can hope. Uh, if Charles is truly in charge, then uh, that will happen. All right. Thank you so much again to Michael. Thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, Body Harvest out. Woo! Woo! Go Body Harvest. Thank you. <laughs>